All right. Welcome, everyone, to the latest edition of Tavern Voices. I'm your host, Kevin King, and with me, as always, is my partner in crime, Tyler Crawley. That's hard to say altogether. I knew yeah, that Crawley was coming I don't up. Think and- that's, I don't think it's hard at all. You're just, you're just rusty. You're not used to talking. I would right. I, me me as a uh, talk professional would never make that mistake. But no, you're right. you're right. you're an amateur. You're usually great at the the words, the speech. <laughs> I have the best words. No one has words better than me. I say words no one's ever heard of. That <laughs> is <best>. actually true. <laughs> People go. I don't think that's even a word. I'm like, it's a word. Trust me, it's a word. Um. So yes, that's my horrible Donald Trump. I I wish I had a Trump. Impression. I wish I was good with mock with like. Yeah, mocking voices, um, imitating voices, more mocking though. Um, but I'm not, I'm not good at it. And it well, I drives keep me crazy. The uh, the TikTok videos, I mean, yeah, that's pretty guy. good. He does a Trump and Obama, and he's just doing all these skits of uh, of a back and forth between the two, and it's it's pretty amusing. It's funny how people remember when, like when he first got elected, and everyone's like, "How do you parody Obama?" And it's like so easy now. Everyone like knows how to mm-hmm. do it. It was like it was always that easy. You guys just didn't want to make fun of him. Like, how do you do it? It's just so hard. He's just so, you know, you can't make fun of Obama. But, you know, speaking yeah. of the last two presidents, uh, I want to start off not with coronavirus, not with Bernie Sanders, only because I just got this story from somebody. Sent it to me a link. Uh, the New York Post is reporting that Linda Tripp is um, on her deathbed. And mm-hmm. um, obviously, uh, you know, sad to hear that. But it, I, I wanted to talk about it because... Oh, I like that. I like that. Uh, You're welcome. Banner. That's great. I like that. I I, I haven't seen it before. That's great. Um, But I wanted to talk about it because I don't think that anyone, you know, everyone's been sitting around that joke um, uh, picture where it says, if you don't think one person can change the world, um, you know, tell it to someone. Yeah. Yeah. The guy that ate undercooked bat. And, but the reality is, is that, I mean, if you think about it, her, and Matt Drudge, who, by the way, at that time, Matt Drudge was sending out newsletters. He worked in the CBS News gift shop and was had just started a website. And he they broke the Linda Tripp story. And Linda Tripp, two kind of unknown people in the world of political uh, mystery, in my opinion, changed the last 22 years of politics. I mean, without even question, they changed the last. Because I, I was thinking about it. I just, got, I just, someone sent me this. And I started thinking, all right, there's no way Trump is president, right? Because it was the debauchery of the Clinton administration that allowed someone like Trump, who's, you know, lived his life out, you know, letting everyone know sleeping with, you know, whoever, you know, adultery affairs, all these things that would have been unheard of before Bill Clinton. You know, it's sort of like that great book that um, Shelby Steele wrote uh, white guilt, where he, he talked about how during the Clinton scandal, he was driving around California and he remembers how everyone was just so openly talking about him having an affair with his wife. And he said, it's amazing because he talked about how, you know, I think it was time 30 years before, you know, Lyndon Johnson apparently used to drop the N-word all the time. And he said, you know, back then you could say the N-word and you might not lose your political career, but to be caught in an affair, career is over. You know, 30 years later, now all of a sudden you get caught, you know, using the N-word, your career is over, political career is over, having an affair, not a big deal. So things change and they shifted when Bill Clinton and all that came out that someone like Trump could run. But I started thinking, what if that hadn't come out? And it was all just rumors. I mean, I think Gore wins 2000. I think 9-11 happens. You know, everyone claims it's Bush. It still happens. Maybe Gore wins with the support of the country still behind him. But I think someone like McCain, 
who's the wartime president, a military background, wins in 04. And then I don't know what happens after that. But I think that our political world is significantly different for two people, a guy that worked the new the White House or the CBS News gift shop, and then Linda Tripp, a friend of Monica Lewinsky, kind of a no-name person in DC, have changed this country so much. I mean, I, I just think that's like an amazing thing about this woman um, that can't be forgotten. Yeah, no, I mean, 100%. And, and I think we've talked about this numerous times before, is that this when, when the scandal broke, that changed politics. I mean, really and truthfully, if it hadn't been for Clinton, like you said, might not have had Bush. Um, if it wasn't for Bush, you probably wouldn't have had Obama. And then Obama paved the way for Trump, right? Yeah. Because you wouldn't have a Trump presidency if you hadn't have sort of seen that slide, in my opinion, of the most qualified person kind of getting into office. Because yeah. then it's like, well, it doesn't matter. It's and a celebrity it's, president it's a swing, right? You know, yeah. someone that's oh, not, you know. And so I, I just think it's, I just think it's amazing how these just two people like changed poly. I mean, they've changed the world. Yeah, <laughs> and, well, now and they're I mean, like they're kind of know who would have thought. Look how uh, uh, what was the um, um, what's the the tabloid that broke the uh, the John Edwards story. Uh, Inquirer, oh, National Enquirer. National Enquirer, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, so so I think obscure media started breaking through after that point as well, which leads us now to just the decentralized mess that we have now yeah. of actually getting some good reporting out of, you know, a, a WordPress page somewhere, um, <laughs> sometimes garbage reporting out of the main news agencies, and then a little bit of everything from, from everything in between, which is... It's interesting now. I mean, that's the, all you do is scroll through Twitter and you see yeah, how many you know, people are just there's a new source for whatever you want to believe. Yeah. You know, I, I have debates with people about this, mostly because I'm in sort of an establishment media position being on the radio, of course, like the first broadcast medium for the most part. Um, you know, it's interesting, the democratization of news and how's that been a good or a bad thing? And I mean, it's definitely hurt like my job like money wise like you know back in the day all you had was like the radio and tv and so you made a lot more money because you had a lot more eyeballs um so that's changed but you, you have to wonder has it been a good thing that media has become so democratized as you mentioned you know you can look for whatever you want and people do that now on facebook i mean some of the crazy urls that people will post like hey look i knew i was right and it's like Trump 90% approval rating in the country, according to Trump news, treehouse.net.com. And I'm like, mm, I don't know if I trust that website. <laughs> and so yeah. I, I see, cause like you think about it, Dan rather got taken down by the blogosphere. They took him down. Um, that would not would have happened before. And it's amazing that the press still acts the way that they do because they act like nothing's really changed. And it hasn't, as much, I mean, when you think about those who are influencing policymakers and everything else, I mean, I, I would argue that probably the most influential journalist, not journalist, but person in media today is probably Tucker Carlson. I mean, I don't, I don't agree with him a lot, but his show moves the dial. I mean, we've seen him do a, a segment and then the Trump administration changes policy or something changes in Congress. And so, you know, and he's still on, I mean, it's cable, but I mean, he's still on TV and you just don't see that with like a tweet or you know like a facebook post but you do see it you, you still see it someone goes on you know meet the press and says something and it goes crazy and everyone talks about it so there's still sort of a centralized aspect of it 
but yeah, I mean, if you want to find a news source that says exactly what you want to hear, you you, you can find it. You yeah. can probably find like Which, Trump cat fans. Something. At, the, at the same time, as much as it has changed in the last, say, 50 years from what it was, I think we're actually, I would venture to say it's actually fairly close the more I think about it to what it's always been, right? I mean, if you go back to the American Revolution, every political-minded person had their own pamphlet they were sending out. Benjamin yeah. Franklin had his, Thomas Paine had his, Jefferson had his, you know, he's working with Madison and they would write something up um, and circulate it around town. They had their own kind of versions of the news and their propaganda they were pushing out. And I think for a little while we got lulled into this idea Well, you had, you know, the big two and then the big three with the nightly news. And that was, it, they more consolidated it. And now it's back out to more. Well, but you still roots. need mass production even back then um you know nowadays you can type something on twitter and send it out and it's free and i mean all you need is a computer i guess that's the the uh, barrier of access or whatever um oh, but the, the but i mean yeah, you had to mean right yeah i mean I'm, I'm, I'm saying like i mean even all those guys i mean a lot of them were pretty wealthy and you know they they were one of the few people that maybe had access to a way of getting it out there and having contacts i was actually reading there's a fabulous piece over at Politico about two weeks ago, I think it was by Colin Dickey. And it was, it was asking a question, did Thomas Jefferson get elected because of an Illuminati conspiracy theory? And it was very mm -hmm. fascinating how um, these John Adams supporters started this rumor that Thomas Jefferson was, was part of the Illuminati. And by, by the time the election came around, the conspiracy had actually come back on them. And now John Adams was the Illuminati candidate. <laughs> and it wasn't the entire reason why he won. But they said it was one of them. But the reason why they were able to do that was this like obscure preacher was friends with um, like the paper back in Philadelphia in the day it was big, big circulation and started pushing this. And so because this guy's knew this, you know, guy, he was able to get in there. And so there was still you had to at least know the people that had the printing presses or, or controlled the papers. But like now, I mean, it's I mean, it's crazy. I mean, you still do. I mean, like. It helps if the New York Times reports on it or tweets about it or something along those lines. And it's really, it is still hard to go from absolute obscurity. If you have no followers on Twitter, people may not trust the stuff that you're tweeting. But it is pretty amazing how, how you can get something out there. And that's why people joke about, you know, they say the Second Amendment and how back then we only had muskets. Like, we had back then all we had was like pen and paper. So, arguably, if it doesn't apply to an AK 47 or AR 15, then, this, then the, the, the First Amendment shouldn't apply to Twitter or um internet or anything else which of course you know the democrats wouldn't like um but it i i i just think it's it's fascinating um just how much has changed and how much those two people once again going to back to the the main topic of change things yeah well you know so jefferson obviously adams was president jefferson was president clinton yeah. was president through the scandal even though he's mm -hmm. impeached now we're here with trump but you know who's not going to be president tyler <laughs> Bernie Sanders. Uh, Bernie Sanders. The other big news yeah. of the day, he has officially dropped out of the race. Yeah, I know. Are uh, you feeling the break? You should like a slow burn or something along those lines. The, you uh, told the, me three minutes. <laughs> that's that's all you get. No. Um, yeah. So Bernie Sanders dropped out and kind of the way you'd expect to quote the famous was a T.S. Eliot line. Bernie Sanders campaign is not with a bang, but with a whimper. I mean, it was just like the most pathetic, like. I mean, it, it was the biggest story for maybe two hours on Twitter, and then everyone back to the coronavirus, and we're talking well, about. Once I saw it, I was like, "Oh, I forgot there was a president yeah. going on." I forgot <laughs> Bernie was it. It was. I think he put out this press release to remind people that he had been running. Well, and then someone else pointed out, you, Wisconsin just had this huge debate 
where the courts at the last second said, nope, you have to have the, the vote. And so everyone's showing up and they're risking getting sick. And someone was like, could Bernie not have done that before? And like right. stopped all those people from risking their lives, thinking they had to go. I mean, once again, proving that Bernie's a little more about ego than he is about the people. I mean, he clearly was hoping that maybe his fans would be more willing to go out and risk their lives to vote for. I'm not sure if that's smarter. That's something you should be proud of or not. Young, not healthy sure. vegans voting, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's that's a pretty sturdy. Unvaccinated, though. Unva mm -hmm. all, though none of them have okay. vaccines. So, so they have we are. Yeah, well, that's true, too. But they have they probably have, you know, they probably have no vaccine. So just going out in public without a bubble is probably dangerous. They're still susceptible to like polio and measles and everything else. That's but, true. you know, Bernie dropping out, um, you know, the way he did. And it was kind of funny because I posted this actually on the website that I saw John Favreau was the first one to be like, don't forget about the movement, the movement. We're going to hear about the movement for like the next three months. Please clarify which John Favreau as well. Because every time uh, I see that on Twitter, yeah, I think yeah, yeah. of it's, like- It's the Obama bro. The, the Obama, Obama bro, bro, not the, Obama the Marvel movie, uh, <laughs> uh, Swingers. Um, and the I movie, think- The movie Swingers. Um, yeah, they spell the last name different or the first name? There's something that's different about their name. I can't remember what it is. I, I thought they were both J-O-N- Spelled the exact, exact same. Oh, okay. But maybe I'm wrong, but. Well, one of them weighs like 200 pounds less than the other guy. <laughs> so he probably would. need to clarify that on Twitter. But the other one's probably got about 200 times the much money. I don't know what, the, <laughs> yeah. I mean, the Marvel Absolutely. guy, he's got some major coin. But so he tweeted about, you know, you know, can't forget about this movement that Bernie has started. And uh, Noah Smith over at Bloomberg pointed out on Twitter that Bernie did worse in 2020 than he did in 2016. So, I mean, maybe there's a movement there, but people keep forgetting that all of these, these just grandiose claims that Bernie made, uh, once again, proving my theory that, that Bernie is far more like Trump than anyone wants to admit, were true. I mean, he would talk about how he's going to bring all these people into the party. There was zero evidence of that. I mean, you look at the, the results from the primary, Bernie was getting regular Democrats. I mean, he wasn't doing well with older Democrats, but there was no new young people showing up. There were no new voters showing up. The, the numbers were actually even, if not down, from 2016. So he just would make this stuff up, and all of his, of course, believers would all go with it. Um, but it's not true. I mean, th there's no movement. There's nothing there. I mean, it's it's anti-establishment. It's this sort of populist left. And we I get that there's a, there's a sizable group, very similar to the right, but he, he didn't start. He's not started in revolution. Okay. And it definitely yeah. won't be televised. I would say that um, to point out the left and the right, that the tea party movement, if you want to pick kind of a, a, a specific group on the right was pretty widely successful. I mean, you talk about 2010 to 2012 yeah. um, versus this socialist populist part of the Democrat party seems to pretty much get squashed because they had their chance. It was like, Everyone who is any yeah. sort of anti-establishment could vote for for Bernie uh, versus Biden, and even Biden. It, it's not. This is not a game, Biden. <laughs> this isn't twelve years ago, Biden. Um, has Biden there ever been? Has there ever been an A game, Biden? I feel like Bi Bi I mean, I Biden. I was born B game, game, Biden, and got worse. <laughs> <laughs> well, I meant uh, he's not in his prime. Not that okay, that was yeah. a lot to uh, to stand on its own merit at the time, but. He's struggling. I mean, to the point where yeah. I, I don't make fun of it. Honestly, when I see how he's struggling so hard in interviews, I, I don't know what to think about it. And and so they had their choice. But then again, did they really have a choice? A 70-year-old crazy white guy or a crazy 70-year-old white guy? It, yeah. it, it kind of it boiled down. There wasn't a lot of diversity in the end. 
Um, Six in one hand, half a dozen in the other kind of yeah. uh, decision there. Yeah, I mean, th that is very true about did they really have a choice? I mean, they did. What's so funny is that field started out as like the most diverse field in yeah, they uh, could have presidential Spartacus. history. And they got rid of everybody yeah. <laughs> except for, for Bernie and, um, and, and Biden. But yeah, I mean, I just don't think that there's anything there that everyone thinks that there is. It's just, it's, it's not the, the movement that, that everyone wants to claim or, or think. And here's the other thing though. This is another reason why you mentioned the, the results, the tea party actually had a very, very bad, uh, presidential, performance they never did well i mean i guess you could argue trump is part of the tea party but not if you go back to the original tea party message you know limited government and lower right. spending and debt and no okay well none of the uh, he was, ideas he, stood up i mean if you think about like ted cruz right he would have been one of the tea yeah. party golden children well, yeah, but and, that's what i'm i'm saying yeah. is that they never did well in presidential elections but they did very well in senate and uh house races and that's another reason why the bernie movement is just complete myth so the same ideology that got AOC elected. Remember, AOC won a district that is about as is as blue as it gets. I mean, it's one of those districts where it's it's sort of like um, when Roy Moore, you know, lost in Alabama, and everyone said, "What would it take for a Republican to lose in Alabama?" And we finally, it was a pedophile. Like it's like that. That's it. That's that's the standard. Like anything less than that, maybe probably would have won. And so I don't even know if that would, would happen in that blue district. And so everyone went, oh, my gosh, this here she won. She beat this guy. She ran to the left of this establishment guy. This is the new movement. And so her organization that she was a part of that got her elected, I can't remember what it's called. It's like, um, I don't even know what it's called. I'm not even going to try and guess. They then did the same thing in 12 other districts, lost every single one, didn't win once. This, is, this has happened now for like the last two election cycles. And everyone's pointed this out like this is not – a movement. There is not a group of people in this party that are clamoring for these type of candidates. Yes, in certain areas, like in AOC's district, and in some places there is, but it's not a overwide movement. Just like the Tea Party, you know, for the limited government and all, all the things they were clamoring for, it did very well in some very red districts and some red states. Uh, and then every once in a while, of course, they got lucky with some blue states. Of course, um, you know, famously, uh, what was his name? Uh, uh, Scott Brown in Massachusetts. But it was it never did well in the general elections. They never did well. They never got a candidate. They never and, and so they at least won elections. Bernie's never even done that. <laughs> like they've their ideology has never won in these House and Senate races. They, they they can't even win the primary in some cases. So it really is just all hype. There's nothing to it. Yeah. No, I I completely 100 percent back you on that. I think that's that's great. <laughs> so, so should what? we now now that we've agreed on two things should we now get to the coronavirus where we can uh, get to our usual disagreement we probably probably should because i am very very curious um as to now what you think now that i mean each time that we talk luckily we're a week apart so we kind of get to gather a lot of new information yeah. when when it's changing every day but at the same time we've got to look at gaps of three you know this three-day average so we can kind of get a better idea of what's going on Obviously, I think the big news is that Governor Cuomo uh, tweeted out that they're kind of uh, flattening the curve. Um, but also, I mean, they're they're definitely seem to be not on that tipping point of being overwhelmed. Right. I mean, the original yeah. idea is, oh, we need 10 or 20,000 ventilators, emergency situation. And right now we're, quote, peaking even to Scott Gottlieb two, three weeks, maybe earlier than some people were, were fearing um, and being way under that emergency status level. Um, obviously 
data is what you want to interpret it as. Um, but what are your initial feelings? Because I know on this show, well, I, I guess let me let me phrase it this way. So my personal feelings are I started out with, man, this is nothing to worry about. Then you and I talk and and I'm gathering more information. I go, well, maybe this maybe this is something to worry about. And then a few days later, I'm going, man, they're saying one to two million deaths, and and I'm doing more research into SARS and MERS and and similar things going this could totally destroy the whole planet. I mean, we could see hundreds of millions of people like this could be insane. Um, and then we, you know, I, I've kind of worked through the process and I'm now I'm back to more of the idea that this is not a good situation. This is a bad disease, but it is not SARS, MERS, uh, malaria, uh, something like that. And, um, and obviously I think anything less than a catastrophe is great, great news. Um, yeah. so what, what, what are your thoughts on kind of the, the development since the weekend? Because I think going yeah. into the weekend, they said, this is going to be the worst week ever for America period. Um, well, I mean, yeah. so here's the way I look at it. So the numbers, okay. So we've already surpassed, uh, H1N1 swine flu. So everyone that said, look, oh, I wasn't everyone acting like this in 2009, I think has been disproven because we're already past that. And that's with everything that we've done. So, I mean, it's, it. I mean, I remember in 2009, I remember hearing stories about it, like in the news. That was like the time where I think you and I were really kind of getting into becoming news junkies. And I don't I don't really remember it being this, you know, it was nothing like there was no changes in our behavior or anything. Right. So we, we did nothing. And so now we've done extreme changes to our life and we've still passed those numbers. So that goes to show you that this thing is is worse than the initial argument of this. Oh, it's just like going to be the flu. Um, but I'll tell you, I mean, I change my opinion on this every couple of hours because I keep reading about like, oh, they got this wrong. Flip flopper. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Romney is my uh, favorite politician. That's right. Um, and it's like, I read something and I go, well, that makes sense. And I read something else. I go, okay, well that makes sense. And you know, I feel like Trump, they always say like Trump's like the kind of guy that, um, the last thing he heard is what he's going to go out on stage and talk about. <laughs> and so whoever's the last one in his ear, when he's walking up to give a speech, that's the speech he's going with. And I almost feel like that's where I am where like, I'll read something good and I'm like, Oh, that's great. Then I read something bad. And so the way I kind of look at it is I think the so- social distancing has had a huge impact. And I think that a lot of the models that even showed with slight mitigation, which what we're doing, I don't think they thought it was, I mean, we'd never done this before. So when they said, okay, we're going to mitigate things, but remember it's all based on what the states do. The federal government doesn't have power here. Um, and so in order for any of their ideas to work, they need like complete compliance from the state, which they got. And I don't know if they thought that that was going to happen, but all these states have gotten on board. And so I think that, yes, the models were greatly exaggerated. But at the same time, I also think it's because they couldn't accurately figure out what our behavior would be. We had never shut down the country before. And they probably were like, there's no way everyone's just going to comply with this. And we kind of have. And I think that's why you're seeing such a discrepancy. But at the same time, um, there was a great Twitter thread. And we should we should put this in the show links or notes or whatever. Because he gets into all of these. Because J.D. Vance is you know, a really smart guy. You know, wrote Hillbilly Elegy. Um, he's a finance guy. So he's one of those analytical guys that knows about exponential growth and all the things they say that will lead people to, to think, you know, maybe the worst. And he actually dives into a lot of the data on some of these arguments about, um, are we counting too many deaths? That's the new rumor in conservative media that they're over inflating the numbers. And pretty much everyone that I've talked to that knows about healthcare and everything else says that no, in fact, it's very likely that we're undercounting the numbers. Um, 
that's the biggest problem. And, and then, um, you know, you've talked about this idea of, of the, of the virus getting here much earlier. And he actually addresses that talking about the antibodies in a lot of these countries that they've tested for and how they're extremely low proving that this thing is still in its infancy to the most point. And so like, I, I mean, it's, it's so smart. I can't even, you know, digest it and be able to regurgitate it in, in a proper way. Um, but he gets into a lot of it and he, and he explains that really the models weren't at where they should have been, but it doesn't mean it's not something we should be worried about. And now the big question is what do we do to reopen the government? And I think the key, and I've seen this from a lot of people from mentioned Scott Gottlieb. Um, also, uh, there was a great piece, William McGurn in the wall street journal. There's another piece in the New York times by, um, uh, Dr. Luang over in Hong Kong all said that what we got to do is test. If we can get massive amounts of tests going, figuring out who has the antibodies, um, who's asymptomatic, um, you know, what areas are still going to get hit hard, what areas have already passed, we can start opening the government up, but we cannot do anything until we are testing on a massive scale. And why we're not focusing on that is kind of weird, but that's what we got to do next to yeah. test, test, test. That's how things get back to normal. Well, and even just doing random sampling tests, grab a hundred people here because yeah, 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 yeah. Ohio is doing that right now where they're yeah. just trying to get an idea of, of what is that number? I mean, um, I don't think we've even tested 2 million people. And no. I mean, there's, I mean, to get a good sample, what would you think the sample size would have to be in a 300 million person country to get a good idea of where everything is? I mean, well, I, if you're doing a random sample, I mean, I think a good number is a good number. I yeah. mean, just like with any source, a thousand people would be fine if you pick a thousand people totally at random, uh, you know, in one, you know, particular area to get an idea. Um, the problem is I think it'd have to be statewide. I mean, New York would test, have to, have to, have to test differently than us here in North Carolina because they clearly have been hit worse than, so there's probably yeah. more people that have had it and gotten better from it. Yeah, no, absolutely. Here. Because we've talked about this at length on this show. I mean, you've got so many variables here. Honestly, I think the death number is almost irrelevant, not in terms of the magnitude, but in terms of, you know, okay, it's, it's such a delayed reaction. Cuomo was talking about that in his press conference today. People dying today may have been on a respirator for two weeks, which means they may have gotten it five days to two weeks prior to that. I mean, such a lagging indicator. Um, but what we're looking at here is you see all these anecdotal stories of people, hey, my you know, wife is a healthcare worker. She got this. She's now being quarantined. They assume me and our kids have it because we lived in the same house, so on and so forth. So that number of cases could be 25% of total cases. Um, you know, in any variation thereof, you're talking about asymptomatic people. You're, I mean, there's so many factors. Like you said, we need to sort of get an idea of how widespread is the antibody, um, not only just the people that have it, because as long as, and I think this is where there was really a breakdown in the media was people following a, a pure chart of new cases. Because obviously we've talked about this, as you test more people, you're going to get in more new cases. If you're talking about just following a chart of total cases, that is going to climb infinitely, right? To a certain point. So yeah. you saw all these huge hockey stick graphs and people were just grabbing a hold of this, like, look, this is spiking through the roof. This is out of control when it wasn't looking at the big picture. And I'm glad when you see Cuomo chart uh, tweeting out these charts and talking about the three-day average and how what is the trend? How are things moving? And so I think there are some people that are looking at this in a, in a more comprehensive way than anyone was looking at it two, three weeks ago. Um, I think it's also interesting 
when you start to look because this is what I do at night as, as I lay there and and start to look at charts and and pull the calculator out on my phone and start doing numbers. You know, I was walking back <laughs> from, OK, there's one hundred forty thousand cases in New York. Um, you know, let's let's divide that number in half exponentially all the way back and try to see, you know, when would case one have been? What are what are our variables here? Um, and so I think that's the interesting thing to look at is, like you said, yeah, in, in retrospect, we can probably do some backwards math and figure out what's going on. Um, but even if you just look at cases now and knowing that half of the people reporting a case today were within the last five days because the symptom median is, is five days, it, it, it makes me wonder a little bit about how much can we totally control this, right? Because let's say there's 10,000 new cases today. Well, those people were exposed within the last five days. We've been stay at home order in New York for the last three weeks, right? So it's still spreading at a decent rate, even at a stay at home. Um, so maybe we're getting a little bit of a baseline of what a, uh, a social distancing guideline looks like. And now let's just start opening things back up that are practicing smart, right? Tables and restaurants, six feet apart, um, bars, every other bar stool. So, you know, start to start to gradually get some people back working because, um, you know, th this, we, we've ground to a halt and we've got to be having that conversation, like you said, of what comes next. We, we have to get people working. The the stimulus and the 1200 bucks that's taking weeks to get to people and they're going to be out of work for two, three months. $1,200 check well, I mean, out of work for three the unemployment's, months. Unemployment's pretty good. Yeah, but I mean, still there's a lag. $1,000 a month? I mean, $1,000 getting... a week? Yeah, I mean, that's the problem is it's so lagging. By well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, also... I mean, I agree. Listen, we have, to, we have to get everyone back to work, but I do think that actually we've had like the most generous amount of money. I mean, cause you're looking at a thousand dollars. I mean, some, I mean, a thousand dollars a week tax free. I mean, is more than a lot of these people maybe made. Um, and the reality is, is that, yeah, it may take a while, but one, it's going to be retroactive. So, you know, if you'll be able to get it, but it's not like anyone's going to get there. No one's going to get foreclosed on. No one's going to get, I mean, we've already heard from every financial institution that they are being as generous as possible. And so that's why I think, you know, people wonder, is the recovery going, it's not going to be V shaped like everyone thought it was going to be, it's going to be a U shape, but I don't think it's as devastating. Now I will tell you, there are people that are going to be devastated. Um, it's people that don't have access to credit because, you know, um, you know, someone like me, you, anyone, most people, you have a credit card. And so if you are temporarily not getting an income, you can uh, use that credit card and buy stuff and then go, hey, I'm going to get this check. I'm going to be able to pay it all off. And so it's the people that do not have a bank account and access to a credit card. They're going to be in some trouble um, mm -hmm. and they're going to be heavily impacted. But I would say like the majority of people um, are are because of all of it, it's it's not even like, oh, nine. I mean, this thing is just so unprecedented. I mean, you're hearing from every single company that we're not, you know, we're not turning water off. We're not turning power off. We're not turning phones off. We're not turning um, anything off. We're not, you know, sending in late um, uh, notices to credit agencies. I mean, like everyone is being as forgiving as possible and because they kind of have to, right? I mean, well, who wants to be, who, yeah. who wants to deal with the PR from like, yeah, we foreclosed on this family because they lost a the job because of the coronavirus. And so, um, but we do need to get back. Um, there's no doubt about that. And how and we do that is, yeah. is, is testing and we, and we got to ramp it up and why that's not the biggest focus just goes to show you how I think just completely, um, just what's the word I'm looking for. Um, just how, how all over the place 
discombobulated yeah. both the mm -hmm. media and in the administration and some of these other administrations like states why we're not all focused on testing all the time i don't understand no uh, and that's my frustration is not saying that like okay tomorrow let's just start opening the floodgates by any means but at the same time i you know you look at some of these areas that have been shut down that are not even remotely overwhelmed case wise um, you've got to have some sort of limited interaction, even if cases start going up in certain areas. But because the way I look at it is that you've got a, let's say a, a scale of 10 risk factor, right? A scale of 10 is New York City, everyone packed in a subway, sneezing and coughing, just business as usual, right? Yeah. And then you shut that down. Okay, well, then you remove 20% of that risk. And then you've got people standing six feet apart in line. Okay, you just cut another 10% off that. And then you've got people washing their hands, hand sanitizer, wiping down surfaces, all these things they weren't doing before. Another 10% risk factor. Okay, so you've gone from, say, a 10 to a 5 or a 3 or something like that. At that risk mitigation level, then you've got to say, okay, well, what can we start to do with that level 3? Right. You've got to You've got to back down the DEF CON level at some point. And right now, all I see are counties and areas extending these sort of lockdown measures um, without even having a conversation of saying, OK, let's go ahead and say, um, you know, this profession, that profession, um, you know, retail shops that have closed. Here are the things you need to put in place. Here are the best practices you need to be because here's a good example. I had to go to Lowe's a couple of times. I'm remodeling a couple bathrooms here. Um, and you go into Lowe's and they're doing a good job. I would say they're, they're maybe a good B minus in social distancing. They've got the, the spacers put out of the cash register. They put up these plexiglass guards at checkout. Yeah, I saw that. Um, but then there's, you know, people are still interacting, walking by each other. Some people wearing masks, some not. I mean, people are doing the best they can. They're trying to move on with their lives, their livelihood. Um, and I think it's working great. Then you go to Costco and it's like an A plus. They're wiping down all the carts before they hand them to you. They're spacing people out 10 feet apart in the parking lot to get in. They're only letting groups of two in at a time, spacing you out, limiting the amount of people in the store, wiping everything down as you're checking out. And I mean, they're just to the yeah. extreme. Um, then you, you know, you go to someplace and you don't know what they're, their procedure is right. So, I mean, you've got these varying degrees, um, but well, the governor just put a, the governor just put an order in saying that they're limiting stores statewide. So you can only have so many people in the store at the same time. And, and so they're trying to, they're trying to bring some uniformity to it. And I think there should be uniformity, but I don't understand necessarily adding restriction to, at this point. We're already very, well, very okay. restricted because here's my big concern is this. I talked about this on my, my show this morning. The, the national media has a disproportionate response to things that happen in New York. And I get it. That's where they are. And so when like Hurricane Sandy happens and other stuff, they go like real crazy for it. Well, things are getting better in New York, but they're not necessarily getting better. They're getting worse in North Carolina. And so the national media is like, oh, we've turned the corner. We've only turned the corner maybe in New York. The rest of the country is still a week at best three weeks or, or more at worst from this peak. And so that's why you're still seeing stronger orders put into place because we have not turned the corner. Our death rate's still going up. Um, our hospital ho hospitalizations are an ebb and flow. Um, but most of this country is still on the upward trajectory from where New York may be plateauing. Maybe. So I think that's why. But, I, but then again, I, I don't know. I, you look at somewhere like Florida, which was late to the game. Everybody's sitting here going, what's Florida doing? 
Um, and of course, it's a lagging indicator, but they're not growing super fast. Well, yeah, but they're, they're but they're. I've heard that they're like a couple of weeks behind even us. Um, well, I, mean, I think I think it's almost like the further away you get from New York is like you're you're how is like how far away you are from everything else. Um, and that, that's I mean, my difficulty with the situation is that I've said this before. If you base on the premise that it's super highly transmissible and it's um, you know and it's it's super dangerous and the hospitalizations are a huge number. If you if you go with all these within a week to two weeks of people business as usual, you're, you're going to have exponential. It, it's not going to take that long for people to start coming into the hospital, right? It's a th well, it's three. It's they said that social distancing should have a three week lag effect. So we should finally be seeing the results of social distancing now in North Carolina because we're three weeks in, which, like I said, um, that's why some are saying that next week could be the peak because we're still up. So we could be seeing the peak very soon. So and then, but then you know, Florida is also different because Florida also it's warmer and there's there's the talk about this not doing well in warm weather. So, I mean, there's so many factors that we don't know about this virus. Um, but I do think we need to remember that a lot of the media that focuses on this and we'll talk about this thing. Oh, we're in the downward spot. We're downward now. Yeah. In New York and some places aren't, I mean, Louisiana still having major problems. And so that's why you are going to see stricter regulations go into effect around the country. Um, because we're different. Um, we're all on different calendars. We're all on different timelines. And so that's going to complicate things more. Yeah. But the first case was at the exact same time right? Because they started testing at the same time. That's where yeah, you know, it, it was uh, March 1st was the first confirmed case. There were two or three cases in Florida the same day there was a case in New York, right? So you're looking at yeah, that's when it started really coming. So you wonder how far behind that was. And like you said, is it warmer weather? Is it going to spread as fast in Florida as it did in New York City when they've talked about the concentration of the virus is a huge factor um, and concentration of people is a huge factor. Obviously, yeah. in Midwestern states, people aren't close enough to each other. Um, well, that's why some of them haven't even still put lockdown orders in, right? I mean, yeah. some of them. So, but even know, we'll I mean, you still look at Washington State. I mean, that was supposed to be ground zero, Italy number two, and it. Well, they locked. I mean, it's the same reason. Cal I mean, a lot of these states were quick to lock. I mean, Washington locked down pretty quick. I mean, California locked down. They might have been first. Washington State might have been first, though. Mm -hmm. um, and I mean, once again there's still a huge argument that what we are doing is having a big impact. I mean, seriously, I, I don't, I go to, I go to work and I come back to my house. Maybe I go to the grocery store today. I went to the ABC store, big, big move for me, but I don't do anything else. I mean, and a lot of people are like me. And so, I mean, that is a, it's almost immeasurable as to the impact that that is happening. I mean, I don't think anyone would have, when they were making these models thought that everyone in the United States for the most part, was going to be just shutting their social life down um, mm -hmm. to the extent that we have. And so I think that's why you're seeing such kind of the difficulty of them in the, in the model swing super you know quick one way or the other, but testing. And then once we figure that out, slowly reopening. And if we see an outbreak, then we shut everything back down, at least in that area. I mean, it's, it's sort of like, it reminds me of, um, you know, you watch those like space movies where like they have compartmentalized, you know, the different areas of the ship. And so if they have to, they can cut those parts of the ship off, but the rest of the ship can still function. That's the way we need to look at the economy. Is that's that we may need to, yeah. Well, I mean, it's, I was, I was just watching what that stupid movie, the core is on Netflix and they had this, the ship does the same thing. You can chop it off and it still functions. So every movie, not just Apollo 13, but a lot of them. 
Um, that's the whole idea. That's the whole reason why they make them that way. But that's what we need to do with the economy. So if one area, so if New York gets bad again, shut it down. Florida gets bad, shut it down. Um, yep. Or even county by county. If New Hanover County here in North Carolina gets bad, shut it down. And so we, that's what we need to look at it, not just a complete shutdown of the whole economy. Yeah. Well, and that, and that's the the thing that I look at is it's not, it's not, there are so many people out there that are saying it's one or the other full fledged. You got to get the economy back, keep the economy running hundred percent. Even if there are casualties, uh, you know, it's, it's worth it. It's life. People die in the flu. Like there's extremes on both sides of it. And I just think we're just not having a conversation about keeping smart practices in place and letting people go about their lives yeah. because there are people like you who are still going to limit it. Um, yeah. There's people who are already going out now that their behavior is not going to change. Um, people are already being smarter at grocery stores and um, you know, in places that they have to go keep that in place. Because like I said, normally we're at a factor 10, I think as a society, we're running about a factor three right now. And that's probably, uh, you know, getting it back up to a five or six and then putting some of these five or six level practices into place every year um, to, to, to help with everything else, the common cold and flu and everything else that people are sneezing and coughing all over people, you know, normally, uh, and wash your hands people. Yeah, no, I think we're actually going to come out stronger as a community with all these, um, new hygiene levels <laughs> that we're all implementing. Uh, I think, so I think we'll be better. I think we're going to be stronger because of this, but I still think the debate continues on the numbers and it will, right. You know, lies, damn lies, statistics. That's how we That's roll. Right. Um, all right. You got anything else? Um, no, I don't, I don't think so. I had down here that we could talk a little bit about the stimulus, but we, we kind of glossed over that. Um, are you getting a good feel? I, I see people all the time that are just posting, Hey, I'm trying to get my unemployment. Hey, yeah. you know, I still haven't got this money. I don't think anyone's surprised that government is just not set up to do something efficiently or quickly. Well, I don't um, want to blame them. I mean, I'm the first to blame government, but I think everyone's kind of crapping on them. I mean, they're not, this has never happened. Why, why would you plan? This is like getting mad at the world trade center because they didn't have like, um, no, but well, I'm, I'm not hating and saying, Oh, government, whatever, you know, I mean, 500,000 people are going to be claiming unemployment, but I mean, they've, they've gotten a hundred thousand claims done and they've paid out $26 million. I'm actually impressed. They got that. I mean, two or four weeks ago, they had 3000 claims a week. <laughs> now they have, now they're getting 21,000. And they were able to pay out a hundred thousand claims in well, um, the first I'm, week. I'm specifically talking about the 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 Trump check or whatever you want to call it. Um, well, that's that, just that's just a stimulus it's effort. It's or whatever. Electronic distribution, though, right? I mean, you could theoretically get it to every single person. Who yeah, but there are some people that don't don't have bank accounts. Remember, no, we, I, I, I got my tax return back a couple weeks ago. Still don't have. You yeah, know. yeah, but I'm saying is, is they got to make sure everyone's getting it because they want everyone to get it at the same time, so we all can like oh, go out and spend money. Huh? I've I've seen reports some people have already gotten it direct deposit. The twelve hundred dollars? No, yes. they haven't. No, that's not true. I think they're joking. Saying, I think. It, yeah, I mean, even uh, Minuchin and and them said it will it will come in phases over the next three weeks and then up to. Two, I don't three think months. I don't think anyone's got it yet. I think that's a joke that someone's putting out there. No, I've well I've seen jokes. <laughs> But that's not the <laughs> well. If they have, maybe they have. But I, well, my, you know what? Let's check my bank account right here. Let's see. It's yeah. still can in the you, red. Can you pull that up on your screen. <laughs> um, Let's but, nope, nope. I'm still negative five hundred bucks, so I haven't gotten the check. Yet. No, no, you're still good. Um, 
<laughs> no, but I mean, I, my point being is, is that was a small part of a $2 trillion bill. And they're still waiting a few weeks to get that out, whether it's mailing checks, direct deposit, whatever, even though they were very quick to cut off everyone's livelihood immediately. Like, no, you, if, if you go to cut someone's hair, we will criminalize you. Right. But we're not going to get you your money in a timely fashion. Thought I had, um, I didn't. No, no, no. But no, but here's the thing though. Um, I mean, that's what I actually saw really funny. I think it was Noah Rotham over a commentary who made the joke that, you know, all these people are like, why doesn't Trump nationalize this industry and nationalize that industry so he can make more ventilators and da 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 da. And he's like, it's so funny that all these like big government types like Bernie who think they, you know, can save the world are like, the government needs to be in control of everything and control all the logistics and everything would run as smoothly as possible. We'd have no more duplicate of services and everything would be cheap and efficiently run. And it's like, but the reality is, is that as you just said, the government's like, Hey, we're going to send everyone a check, you know, a piece of paper in the mail. And it's going to take three weeks. <laughs> it's like, it's, yeah. it's like that, it's that throwaway line in, um, uh, live for your die hard where he, where he says we should be able to solve, you know, the, the government. And he says it took him, you know, four days to get water to the, the, um, superdome. And it's like, yeah, the government's not that efficient. Um, especially when they are pushed almost beyond their brink, like we're seeing right now with these state governments. That's why I give the state government a little, a little, a little room because I'm like, man, they, they they've never had to deal with this amount of claims. I mean, even like back during the 100%. peak of the crisis, it was like half or a, or a, a, a third of what it is right now. So they're just getting slammed. No, it's um, overwhelming. And that's where I think that there probably should have been. And probably at this point, they are just like clicking approve on everything. There's probably yeah, some lady that's got that she's going to be out of work for a while with carpal tunnel from going I'm through gonna, all the reports. I'm going to apply. I'm going to apply in different names. I'm going to be like Tyler Crawley, Crawley Tyler. <laughs> just keep going and going and going. The crit, they'll never catch on to that. Yeah, they'll be like, check, check, check. <laughs> and then when they go back and do the audit, they're like, hey, this guy got like five checks. Um, time to get that money back. Sorry, guys. It's been spent. And then they I'm will stimulate spend the economy twice as much to try to get it back from you but they'll get it i mean they'll they'll throw me in you know the government doesn't mind spending 10 times the amount of money to to get a little bit be, just to prove a point so yeah they'll throw you in the gulag i don't recommend that i don't don't do that people i'm just just joking as bernie would say they will throw you in the gulag that's right that's right bernie's fans also right. agree with that all right man well i i mean i think we covered everything well we solved everything and nothing at the same time and um by next week, either the world's going to be over or we'll be under the curve, right? Hopefully. I don't know. Depends on what model you believe in. But let's hope. Keep my fingers crossed. Let's hope we are. Just don't uh, make any model jokes there, Trump. <laughs> okay. I can do that. I'm, I'm going to try. I'm going to do my best. <laughs> <laughs>